Hello, and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a semi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and people that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today is probably gonna be one of my favorite corporate caskets to date, because today we're going to sit down and talk with a current employee of OAN, or One America News Network, the far-right news channel that has been called Trump's favorite news channel. For this individual's protection, I will be calling this employee John. Now, John emailed me telling me about his job, and after my researcher Ali obtained proof that in fact, yes, he does really work there, we went ahead and interviewed John. So today you'll be hearing some pieces from that interview between Allie and John, though we will also be distorting John's voice for his own protection as well. Also, I want to put this right at the front of the episode that there will be a link at the top of my sources and within it are going to be some of the evidence used in this series of episodes, as well as the full audio conversation between Allie and John. That way, you as a listener will be able to know that nothing was taken out of context if you choose to pursue the entire audio yourself as well but for brevity's sake, I will be breaking it up into pieces. I would also like to put the disclaimer out there that Ali and I are not, nor have we ever claimed to be, professional journalists. So please don't take this as your only source of information, but instead see it as any other corporate casket episode with an employee's perspective added in. And as a content warning, we will be discussing COVID, the insurrection, BLM, and things of that nature within these episodes. So please be aware of that. As excited as I am to share with you what John has to say, First, we obviously need to provide some context. What is OAN? Has it always been known for spreading conspiracy theories? Let's talk about the history of the company before we get to John. Let's get into it. OAN begins with Herring Networks and Herring Networks begins with Robert Herring. Since selling his family business, Herco Technology, in 2000 for $122 million, Herring had millions to throw around and do whatever he wanted. In his golden years, Herring decided to start his television network. Some of my sources claim that Herring Networks began in 2003, though most tend to say 2004. Herring Broadcasting is something of a family business. His son, Charles, is the company president and seems to take care of the company's day-to-day operations, according to the Washington Post. In 2004, he launched Wealth TV, a cable channel now known as AWE, a wealth of entertainment, featuring shows such as Dream Cruises, Private Islands, and Marijuana Miracle Cure. Charles Herring called Wealth TV a vicarious living channel and the bulk of its fare focuses on luxury travel. But Robert Herring also used his channel as something of a soapbox. In 2004, Wealth TV ran a two-hour special on the right to die case of Terry Schiavo, a Florida woman who had spent half her life in a vegetative state. On the show, Herring offered $1 million to Schiavo's husband if he would halt his effort to remove her from life support. She died in 2005 after her feeding tube was removed. Wealth TV has also had their share of controversies. In 2007 and 2008, they even filed carriage access complaints at the FCC against the IN demand owners, namely Comcast, Time Warner, Bright House, and Cox Communications. According to Herring, he claims that these companies favor their own program and treat affiliated networks like siblings, he claimed. The reality is that everyone in the cable industry, especially MVPDs and independent programmers, recognize that there isn't a viable path for relief via the carriage access regulations. 
Thus, the deterrent to prevent discriminatory behavior is lost, along with the carriage access compliant process being broken. So to put it simply, Herring felt his shows were not receiving fair treatment. I think I would be a bit more sympathetic to this if his shows were a bit more reputable. As it stands, I can't entirely blame networks for not wanting to air the content. No matter what you believe about life support, getting involved in such a personal decision feels morally scummy, at least to me. Wealth TV, now known as AWE or a wealth of entertainment, isn't so much a news source as they are a lifestyle and entertainment channel though. It's when Herring began getting into politics that OAN truly began to actually unfold. OAN, One America News, started off as a partnership with another right-leaning news source, the Washington Times. And that's not to be confused with the Washington Post. They've reported in 2013 that, Herring Broadcasting, the owners of the Wealth TV Network and the Washington Times announced Thursday a partnership to create a new national cable news network called One America News that will debut nationwide this summer. One America News Network will provide Americans a new credible source for national and international news and investigative reporting, as well as talk shows designed to foster an independent, cutting edge debate about the policies, issues, and solutions facing the country, said Robert Herring. The network, which is wholly owned by Herring Broadcasting, will rely on the Washington Times as a key source of news and analysis from the nation's capital and is building a state-of-the-art TV studio inside the 31-year-old newspaper's newsroom. The Times is an authoritative voice on policy, politics, and national security news in Washington, and it provides our network a powerful reporting and analytical capability to help our viewers make sense of developments in an increasingly complex and polarized capital city. We're excited to have reporters, editors, and commentators from Ralph Hollow to Emily Miller, who can whisk into the studio from the Times newsroom and provide real-time trusted reporting and credible analysis on the pressing issues of the day. Before even going on air, pairing with the Washington Times was their first mistake, or in their case, probably their first success. For example, no matter what political stance you have, I think we can all agree secondhand smoke is harmful, right? Well, not to the Washington Times. Back in the late 90s, one of the writers, Fred Singer, condemned the Environmental Protection Agency for distorting data when they said that secondhand smoke was harmful. They've denied climate change, called the pursuit of zero cancer risk in foods wasteful and manipulated stories that they don't seem to like. For example, in the late 90s when Al Gore was campaigning, the Washington Times ran a story that local authorities had paid $7 million to raise the water level of a river that Al Gore was canoeing on. He announced big grants designed to protect rivers at the end of said canoe ride. So for them to imply that he was a supposed friend of the environment, but wasted water resources to stage a political event was really harmful. Other news sources even picked it up, such as CNN, the New York Post, and the New York Times. As it turned out, the Washington Times was misleading everyone. After further investigation, the local utility company that owned the dam already planned to release the water, as it habitually does. Rather than being wasted, the water passed through hydroelectric turbines and generated power that was sold to other utility companies. And the amount of water released was not 4 billion gallons, but perhaps 500 million, a fact that the Times didn't correct until a week after the original story, long after other media outlets had taken floodgate and run with it. The reason why I use these examples is because they aren't, or at least shouldn't, be political in nature. Secondhand smoke causes thousands of lung cancer deaths in the US among non-smokers every year. That's a plain and simple fact. 
It's not distorting or twisting the truth, but the Washington Times has downright lied to their readers in some cases. In 2001 and 2002, they dedicated 10 articles, two editorials, and an opinion piece to what sounded like an egregious case of biofraud. Reporter Audrey Hudson wrote that government wildlife regulators had planted fake lynx hair in states where there were no lynx, hoping to create new critical habitats that would close national forests to human visitors. It turns out that Hudson had botched the story. No fur had been planted, and even if it had been, no forest would have been closed without further investigation. No matter, the Lynxgate myth spread rapidly, picked up by the Associated Press and repeated in papers like the Wall Street Journal, Rocky Mountain News, and Seattle Times. Magazines like the conservative Weekly Standard and the US News and World Report cited the Time series as an example of how government scientists manipulate data to serve their political ends. It was a month before the Washington Times got around to quoting biologists who disputed Hudson's baseless charges. Once the story had been thoroughly debunked elsewhere, the Times refused to correct the facts. Needless to say, the fact that this is where OAN wanted to get their information, well, it's no wonder they aren't exactly a respected source. But now that we've got some context and we know the history of how OAN generally began, let's get into them as a company and meet our guest of honor for the day, John. Because this was recorded over the phone, I apologize if John's audio quality isn't the best, but we will still have a transcription playing on the YouTube channel so you can follow along with that if you prefer. For audio listeners, I'm sorry, but you're just gonna have to listen. So to start with, before even getting into the misinformation and conspiracies, we wanted to get a feel for the work environment and who John is and who works for OAN. So yeah, why don't you just tell me a little bit about what got you into this news network in the first place, uh, how long you've been there, just some background? Yes, um, I've been there for a few years, and it was originally um, just because it was a job. I mean, California's expensive to live in, uh, and granted, it's not a high-paid job by any stretch of the imagination, but it, I mean, for all their faults, and there are many they're at least paying like entry 15, 14 an hour. Gotcha. So it's just like, oh, hey, this is a company that's willing to pay me somewhat fairly for my labor. Gotcha. So uh, when did you start working with them? Um, I started working with them 2018, I believe it was. Okay. So let's see. OAN's been around since... 2013, so five years after they started and, you know, a few years ago. I guess what is your day-to-day with OAN? Uh, Do they treat you well? Are you working from home? Uh, Do you interact with other employees a lot? Can you go through what an average day might be like? Sure. Uh, Well, no, we're not working from home. And that's that's an issue of uh, controversy in and of itself. Basically, the... um, And it was... Don't get me wrong, it was uh, floated like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be working in the, uh, you know, in, in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe we shouldn't all be going into the same office and do a giant fishbowl. Um, but that idea was shot down uh, because, and I'm basically quoting, uh, the guy that runs the place doesn't trust us. Doesn't trust you? Uh, us being his employees. Yeah, but like doesn't trust you to work from home? Yeah, uh, I believe his exact words were, nothing's going to get done. Like, that's, he doesn't, uh, 
he doesn't believe that we'll actually honestly work from home, despite the fact that, I mean, it's pretty obvious when work is and is not getting done, uh, but it was something that wasn't even being really considered because uh, the we call him Mr. H. Uh, he refuses to be called Mr. Herring or um, Robert, uh, so we have to call him Mr. H. Mr. H uh, is a firm believer in, like, super old school, like, if you're not working literally every second that you're at work, then uh, you might as well not work here. And here we're going to continue on to the next clip about Mr. H. Uh, when it comes to One American News, uh, so you mentioned Mr. Herring, who prefers Mr. H. So uh, you've interacted with him. It, it, it's Sorry, oh, demands no. Mr. H. Uh, so have you interacted with him directly? And what have those interactions been like? Um, very infrequently. It's typically uh, when he's addressing everybody, then he'll, you know, he'll, he'll grace everybody with his presence. Um, if it's just, you know, basic, like, day-to-day stuff, uh, he's usually in his office. Ali and John briefly discussed some of the more common bits of misinformation spread by OAN, such as vaccine misinformation. But to keep things in order, we're going to play a clip in which they talked about the office staff and writers. Again, if you want to hear the full audio with Ali's office chair squeaking and all, that will be a link in my sources for complete and utter transparency's sake so you know that this is not taken out of context. So back to the conversation. Can you believe it? Do these writers believe the lies that they're telling people or is it kind of a, we know it might not be true there are writers that you know they just do the job they do because they're told to do it and it's you know it's just like oh well you know this is a this is a job so i gotta do what the job says but um most of the writers believe it or not are uh left-leaning or you know just somewhere on the left it goes, it goes as far as people who uh, believe Trump are like the Antichrist to people who are kind of apolitical but left-wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pearson is not one of those people. He absolutely 100% believes everything that he writes. Surprisingly. scary to me. And just to briefly interject and mention who Pearson Sharp is, he's very far right and has consistently spread anti-vax and voter fraud material. But we'll discuss those stories in just a moment, though. Back to the interview. That's surprising, though, to hear that some don't even believe what they're writing. That's Oh yeah, that's no, really it's, interesting. It, it's um I would say probably about seventy percent of the writers are uh left leaning. A lot of the people who work there just kinda go there because it is a stopgap. It's like, oh hey, I just got out of college. I need something to show that like, hey, I can work. Like you know, it, it, it's kinda like it's just building a resume effectively to be like, hey look, you know, I can put up with this bullshit first. A year. Uh, that means that I can put up with anyone's bullshit for a year. Yeah, it's just a job that pays, yes. kind of thing. Exactly, and uh, I mean, it, come on, it's California, San Diego, California. You know, it's a liberal city and a liberal state. Of course, most of the people there are not going to be conservative. Granted, we do get people there that are hardline conservative and alt right, even like Pearson, like Dan Ball, um, like Graham Ledger. Even mm-hmm. Graham Ledger was fired a little while ago. But um, yeah, uh, it's it's mostly liberal people that work there. And it's funny too, because uh, Mr. H hates it when people are reminded that OAN is in San Diego, California. Whenever there's a local store, we don't reference like, oh, here in San Diego, it's always in San Diego, despite the fact that we're there, because he doesn't want the audience to be reminded, oh, hey, this is in one of the most liberal states in the country. 
Now, before we continue on, I want to confirm a few things John said. Just because he works there doesn't mean I want to take John 100% at his word, as having others corroborate his experience is important to me and I'd hope important to you as well. So does OAN mostly just consist of liberal employees trying to make a name for themselves that they're just trying to do what they're ordered to do? Well, it certainly seems that way. The Washington Post reported in 2017 that most One America employees are young and inexperienced and they worked for low pay. And they stated, quote, four OAN writers and producers said they were paid as little as $12 an hour or $25,000 a year. And three anchors said they were paid as little as $52,000, well below the scale at national networks, though more in line with what's paid at local TV news operations in smaller markets. When I started, I was making less than I did when I was 15 in a summer job, said one former anchor. But the experience was invaluable, at least until the owner started massaging the news. John claimed that his rate was $14 to $15 for entry level, so it does seem that there's been a pay increase as John started in 2018, and this article came out in 2017, and it primarily interviewed ex-employees, so the starting pay was a bit lower. Otherwise, this pretty fairly corroborates John's story. As for how many believe that they're writing, when the New York Times posted in April, 2021, they claimed to have interviewed 18 current and former OAN newsroom employees. 16 of them said that OAN had broadcast reports they considered misleading, inaccurate, or untrue. Yet again, this aligns with the idea that a vast majority of the people working for, or that once worked for OAN, don't even agree with what they're writing or broadcasting. Quite frankly, I can't decide which is more frightening. The idea of a news organization full of far right-wing people or an organization that only has far right-wing people at the top, but the vast number of employees just will write anything because they need the pay and experience. Also, before anyone here states that they would never work or write for OAN no matter the money, please remember that some of these writers may be struggling in this large and expensive city, and I don't think it's our place to judge. Not to mention, John later references in the interview that some of them may feel that they're only there to make the place as bearable as it can be, perhaps bring some reasoning and sense to OAN before moving on. As for Mr. H, Christopher Wood, one of the channel's first writers has even called OAN as nothing more than Robert Herring's hobby and his way to, quote, hobnob with political figures and maybe have some political influence, end quote. And what an incredibly dangerous hobby this has become, given the influence OAN has had over politics. On this note, John also sent an email after the interview to add a couple points, and he wrote, there are some things I remembered that I felt you may want to include. Every so often, writers are forced to take on an H story. These are stories that one of the herrings want to be aired, typically regarding something they saw online. There's no oversight to them, and if an H story is on the rundown, it has to get aired. This can be as benign as some stock rising or falling or as misleading as claiming that Mike Lindell found overwhelming evidence of fraud in the Maricopa County audit. More often than not, they're stories that praise Republicans and denounce Democrats. Mr. H is Trump's biggest fan. He keeps up with every bit of Trump news that exists and shouts out whatever Trump gives OAN kudos via an email blast congratulating the whole company. It goes a little further. During his team, whenever Trump found himself near San Diego to do press in front of the border wall, the entire place would get deep cleaned just in case Trump made a surprise visit to his favorite station. He never did. There was even a point in time where Trump didn't praise us, only saying he liked our CGs, and that caused Mr. H to get upset. 
Now, we're going to dive deeper into the Trump obsession from Mr. H, but once again, this corroborates what Wood says about OAN being nothing more than Mr. H's hobby, a Trump-obsessed, dangerous hobby. Now, before we continue on to talk a little bit about their news stories and how OAN apparently does their reporting, let's just take a quick break to thank today's sponsors. You've got back-to-back meetings, errands to run, and chores to take care of. So what's the secret to clearing your to-do list? Well, maybe it's a little help from DoorDash. You can get dinner, household essentials, and everything on your grocery list delivered. Get what you want to eat right now and right to your door with DoorDash. Along with the restaurants you love, you can now get groceries and other essential items delivered. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items in under an hour. Are you craving late night ice cream? Forget that one key ingredient for dinner or maybe you just need a stock up for the week. With DoorDash, you can get everything in one easy app. And with over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurant chains. Ordering is easy and your items will be left safely outside your door when you choose contactless delivery drop-off. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code PRISM. That's 25% off, up to $10 in value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter code PRISM. And don't forget, that's code PRISM, 25% off your first order with DoorDash, subject to change and term supply. Now that we've got a bit of background and a little bit of a feel as to who works for OAN, let's get into what it is that they do. OAN's well-known shows are Real America with Dan Ball, In Focus with Stefani Hamill, and Tipping Point with Kara McKinney, The Real Story with Natalie Harp, After Hours with Alex Salvi, and Weekly Briefing with Christina Bob. And After Hours is apparently no longer super current and that was essentially replaced by Real Story and Real America. Back in 2014, around the time of their official launch, they also had a show called On Point with Tommy Lahren, a name I'm sure many of you are probably familiar with. Many of her clips went viral, including giving a face and voice to a new news station. Soon enough, OAN had plenty of content in 2016 when Trump was running for office and their conspiracies became especially prominent. According to the Washington Post, they were the first to carry Trump's campaign speeches live and in full, a decision followed quickly by the owner's directive that other candidates' rallies not be given the same treatment, according to internal emails. The Washington Post refers to OAN being a tiny father and son's operation that promoted itself as the antidote to the big three cable news networks. We're a no-fluff, very fast-paced live news service meant to inform, says Charles Herring, Robert's son and president of Herring Broadcasting, which owns One America. News anchors are not allowed to express opinions. They simply deliver the news and we leave it up to the viewers to decide. It's not our family's mission to determine the news. Yet former employees don't actually agree with that statement. Christopher Wood has stated that, We'd have staff meetings on Wednesdays and Mr. H would say he wanted more stories from Breitbart, The Drudge Report, and other conservative sites. It was his way or no way. So is this true? And if so, just how far will Herring go and push his narrative? Ali asked John this question and here's what he had to say. Yeah, when it it comes to your job, since you do the video editing for them, I'm assuming that they've told you to compile the clips in a certain way? Have you ever been instructed to take out certain things that may not fit the narrative that they're looking for? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Frequently, even. They will 
Kelly helped uh, editors to, I mean, how should I phrase this? We get a lot of viewer email that says, you know, stuff of the nature, like, I imagine stuff that you probably get emailed about, like, oh, hey, you were, you were talking about this, and you showed inaccurate footage. We do get that from time to time. But typically, if it's correction, it's about military equipment because most people that watch OAN are like 50 year old boomers that love the military. And it's like, you were talking about F 16s, and that is not F 16. That is some, those are completely different. We're playing the same year, you know, it's like yeah. those kind of corrections. But we also get uh, people who will send in your emails being like, uh, your show, uh, <laughs> one of my favorites, um, was someone who said that, like, in a story, we used a an unflattering photo of Donald Trump. And, um, I mean, I imagine you guys probably have a subscription to Getty or Video Vlogs. So I've definitely seen a few Video yeah. Vlogs, the pieces of footage on the channel. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, we, we got this email saying, like, oh, you, uh, you showed an unflattering photo of Trump. And then it just went on to this crazy rant about how it is a, uh, a psyop operation by the fake news media to show unflattering photos of Trump so that way people will vote against him. And afterwards, it was like, you can only use a few select photos of Trump and some extended uh, footage of him during like, Trump rallies and stuff to use. It's like, stay away from like these photos that make him look like he's weak or that make him look unflattering. Similarly, uh, going back to vaccines, uh, we recently were told to no longer show videos of people getting the vaccine because uh, we got too many complaints from our viewers because we keep posting so much anti-vax news. They're like, I don't want to see anyone get the death vaccine. You need to stop showing footage. So we had to work around that by not showing photos of people getting vaccines instead of showing like the vaccines themselves rolling off the, uh, um, yeah, the, the conveyor belts that basically a lot of footage that ATM Reuters provides, uh, but we can't show people getting the getting the poke. Wow. Okay. So no, no photos of Trump in an unflattering light, and no videos of people getting the vaccine. Okay. Uh, can't show photos of any Republican uh, congressman or senator uh, that looks like they're too angry. Or that looks like they're um, weak, essentially. Like we're only allowed to use flattering photos of conservatives, and we're encouraged to use unflattering photos of Democrats. Encouraged because you know sometimes you gotta work with what you have. But if there is an unflattering photo, they usually hop on it like, "Oh, use this one." Yeah, that definitely sounds manipulative. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Trying to keep my biases in check here. Uh, when it when it comes to video footage of, let's say, Clinton, though, I'm sure, ha- has there ever been a case where you're splicing up footage of uh, someone that may be left-leaning or just someone that's saying anything that basically opposes Trump? Uh, have you ever been encouraged to splice up actual video footage and actual language coming from a Democrat or an opposing figure to make it sound as if they're saying something that they're not? Has there ever been anything to that extent? There has been attempts. Um, there is a hard line in the sand that uh, the editors like will catch where it is... Um, 
Um, specifically, uh, there's a writer in particular who uh, does a lot of the propaganda type stories. His name's Christian Rose. His name's probably come up in the Christian Station and we got sued because of him. Rather, we uh, sued Rachel Maddow because she was talking, talking shit. And uh, he, uh, we sued, but then they won the case because uh, language or something. But Christian Rose is one of the people that will frequently try to uh, when, he, when he, he's no longer allowed to do packages, I don't know if it's the reason, but uh, he would frequently try to have us spice clips in a way that would make someone sound incriminating. Um, yeah. So before the lawsuit, there may have been more attempts, but now after the lawsuit, you guys have to be more careful. I'm not sure if it was after that lawsuit or if it was a different lawsuit. We've been sued a lot. Now, once again, let me pause here to address what John has said, clarify, and confirm a few things. A news package is a self-contained news report. Typically, a news anchor reads an introductive live, then a pre-recorded story is shown. They can run for about a minute or two in length. It's possible for news organizations to license these packages through distribution deals, and that'll be important in just a moment. Before we discuss that, let's touch upon that Rachel Maddow lawsuit that John discussed. Rachel Maddow is the host of The Rachel Maddow Show on MSNBC. Herring Networks, the parent company of OAN, said that Maddow has defamed the company back in July, 2019. She called OAN paid Russian propaganda when she was discussing a Daily Beast article that reported how an OAN contributor was also on the payroll of Sputnik, a Kremlin-backed news site. That Daily Beast article discussed Christian Rose, who John mentioned and stated he is, quote, originally from the Siberian city of Novosibirsk and has been living in San Diego, where OAN is based since August, 2017, reporting on US politics for the 24-hour news channel. For all of that time, he's been simultaneously writing for Sputnik, a Kremlin-owned newswire that played a role in Russia's 2016 election interference operation, according to an assessment by the US intelligence community. Rose's on-air report for OAN included a wholly fabricated 2017 segment claiming Hillary Clinton was secretly bankrolling Antifa through her political action committee. Clinton, Rose claimed falsely, gave Antifa protesters $800,000 that went toward things like bricks, hammers, bats, and chains, end quote. OAN, of course, didn't disclose that Rose worked for Russia's state-owned media in all of his segments, which led Maddow to make the comment. However, About a year after OAN sued for $10 million, the case was dismissed as a judge ruled her statement a matter of opinion. Therefore, it's protected by the First Amendment. Now, I can't confirm exactly what Rose instructed video editors like John to do, but I can corroborate that yes, Rose has consistently been notorious for what John claimed he did in the past, the splicing up clips thing. One 2020 article from Mother Jones not only talked about the entirely false 2017 Clinton segment, but a segment in which Rose referred to police brutality as so-called and a false flag provocation. Rose is also for painting false narratives, so while this does not surprise me, it's still alarming and frankly upsetting. Now back to packages. As we said, news organizations can license packages, The New York Times offers it, Bloomberg offers it, and you can see how to find licensing and package deals with them under distribution or partner programs on their sites. OAN is no different. As a smaller news organization, it makes sense for them to buy these packages. We know that they do in fact use this B-roll because once again, another source can also confirm this. As Washington Post writes, Herring, long-term active donor to political campaigns, had no journalism experience. The channel he created is a rapid fire cavalcade of headlines. Most stories run well under a minute. 
almost all of the reports are read by the anchors over video footage provided by Reuters, Associated Press, and Euronews services, as well as by RT, the Kremlin-funded news outlet that a US intelligence report calls Russia's state-run propaganda machine. Once again, their ties to Russia are noteworthy to many of my sources. It makes sense that so much of their footage is not their own, especially if they're a much smaller organization with only four correspondents in 2017. However, it's what John told Ali that they do to these packages that is, as he puts it, despicable. Yeah, so another thing I actually wanted to bring up because I don't see this as a reporter on the uh, is, uh, I think I might, I don't, sending those clips, that would actually be really great. Now, John actually did send over these clips. Here's a report where you'll notice about 18 seconds in, the narrator's voice seems to cut off before saying Biden. withdrawal from the country. Jonah Green has the latest. As American troops left their main military base in Afghanistan on Friday, marking a symbolic end to the longest war in U.S. history, locals living in the shadow of the base and in nearby Kabul were bracing for what comes next. Violence has been raging throughout Afghanistan in the weeks since Joe Biden announced troops would withdraw unconditionally by... In the original, the clip clearly states President Biden. We're bracing for what comes next. Violence has been raging throughout Afghanistan in the weeks since President Joe Biden announced troops would withdraw unconditionally by September. The same thing happens about 24 seconds into another clip calling President Biden Biden when the original uses the whole title. 
John also sent me a screenshot where an editor was clearly asked to remove the word president when discussing President Biden from one of these packages. So let's get back to the interview and continue where we left off. Um, but yeah, they'll have it to like, you know, oh, uh, editors cut out uh, President Biden, um, cut out anything on climate change, uh, cut out uh, anything negative about Tesla because the interest on like Tesla's so-called yeah it, it is it is very manipulative language because so-called implies that it's a rumor yeah, when climate change is not a rumor now for a moment john was just a bit too far from the mic so after this in the full audio you'll hear him discuss how oan reported that this misinformation was also used when discussing so-called climate change causing california wildfires after a moment ali asked john to come a bit closer into the phone mic and here's where you hear the rest of that clip um, yeah sorry Oh, no. uh, we're not allowed to show footage of people just sort of existing. We have to only show footage if it's BLM or if it's Antifa. We can only show the footage of uh, violence. If it's the Capitol riot, we are not allowed to show footage of them hurting cops or chanting, hang my pants, doing any of that stuff, because that goes against the narrative. Yeah. We're not allowed to show that, period. By no means do I think that I'm perfect on reporting stories at all but i think that if you don't try to tell both sides if you don't try to find context if you don't at least put effort in to tell the full truth then what are you doing you know and and the fact that oan actively does not want to even attempt to tell the full truth of a situation i mean yeah it just it kind of affirms what I've thought about them, but it's it's made all the worse when when you real when you hear it, you know, when you hear it from from an employee's mouth, it makes it all the worse for sure. Yeah, I think it's definitely too so the ends just try to means the minds of the uh, the higher ups. I think that their opinion is like, oh the libs are doing this already. So the we libs. might as well do it as well. Yeah. It becomes a self-revealing prophecy because it gets to the point where you just assume the worst of the other side, so it justifies anything that you do in retaliation. And I think that's the entire philosophy of OAN. Now, I understand that was probably a lot to take in. We are going to talk more specifically about OAN as a company, how they treat people, what news they're talking about now, and how they've discussed news in the past. Before getting there though, I feel that this company philosophy was kind of important to go over. On the surface, this minor edit may not seem like a big deal. Simply removing the word president from President Biden and insisting they refer to Trump as only President Trump. However, when it gets into science denial, climate change, and the environment, well, 
Not only is OAN subtly using language as a manipulating factor, but now they're refusing to report a universal truth. These topics need to be discussed and sticking our heads in the sand and pretending they don't exist is really no way of solving anything. And again, how scummy is it that they're doing this to other companies' news footage? And this isn't to say that no other news sources have ever subtly manipulated language or footage to suit their narrative. Simply that OAN is not only doing this, but even giving downright false statistics and information along with it. One writer from Business Insider claims to have watched OAN consistently for a week and among their findings, they show a daily graphic ticking away astronomically high figures related to the alleged cost of undocumented immigrants. This giant, bold red graphic may look intimidating, yet the information on it isn't even correct. They say there are over 26 million illegal aliens in the US and cite the Department of Homeland Security as a source. Yet by DHS's own estimates, there are about 12 million or less. So even if this data fluctuates, I haven't seen anything close to 26 million. This article also read, the more subtle signs of bias in the news blocks that I noticed match some former employees' accounts of the ways the network's non-opinion programming lent itself to personal politics of OAN president and the son of the network's founder, Charles Herring. This matched up with previously reported accounts from former employees who described a newsroom that was closely controlled by Herring. We started out with the premise of news straight down the middle, Cassie Lufin, an anchor at OAN from 2013 through the 2016 election, told the Washington Post. But the bias does reveal itself in the story selection. The owner really felt this was what was needed. He saw the popularity of Trump before almost anybody and Trump became our bread and butter. Personally, I've never seen the middle ground revealed in their stories, even the earlier ones. Since John started working there around 2018, he can't really vouch for their 2013 work either, but former OAN employees have confirmed what John stated though, especially when it comes to not being allowed to say certain things. Chris Pocock, a former OAN producer, stated on Political that, quote, we were told to avoid stories slamming Russia because H's wife was from Russia, stories about unarmed black people being killed by police and negative stories about Trump or Tesla because Mr. H owns stock and several Tesla cars, end quote. It's almost impossible to go into a story with no bias whatsoever. We try to do that here, but it is a difficult thing to do. But as stated, the fact that these days OAN makes no attempt to do so, at least seemingly, yeah, that says a lot about them as a source. I'm sure many of you know that they weren't exactly reputable to begin with, but for any of you that didn't know or didn't understand why, well, I think here's at least the beginning of an answer. And so with that being said, that's where we're going to end part one of this three-part series. With this background information of who OAN is and their company philosophy, we'll go into part two soon and talk about how they handled COVID, the Capitol insurrection, and vaccine misinformation. So thank you all for sticking around with today's episode. I know this is a little different than what I usually do, but I hope you find it interesting all the same. Thank you again for making it to another episode and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.